Take your Bible now to Matthew chapter 16. I'll tell you which verse in a minute because I'm going to I'm going to go to other passages and build up to this because there's something there's a big part of this passage that I don't think we fully understand a lot of times and I want to make sure that we paint the picture before we get there and I, it's, this is heavy on my heart because if you if you're like me you came in here and you're just like could admit that life can be challenging life is full of ups and downs and we're constantly fighting we're going up against things it's like man I want my kids to do great I want them to do right I want them to make good decisions and Satan's always fighting that man I, I want as a church to go for it I want, I want as a family to go for it as is what we do and Satan is constantly standing against us I mean, even marriage in our culture, we sit, talk about, man, there's challenges in marriage today. We talk about how the world interprets that. There is challenges in marriage today, even in Christian families, because we have opposition that is constantly trying to tear you apart. Let, let me explain this. So here's, to talk about God, and we'd sit there and say, man, God is real, and God is awesome, and God is alive. God is all around us. And then we say, man, that I believe that so much. But as much as we can say amen that there is a living God, there is also a real opposition and there is Satan and there is spiritual warfare. Amen. I'm not talking about how we sometimes paint the pictures and the movies and cartoons about this guy running around in a red suit trying to make things hard and difficult for us. No, I'm talking about true spiritual warfare. There's opposition. There's resistance. Actually, let me read this about the spiritual realm around us. Uh, you guys are in uh, Matthew 16. Let me read Ephesians 6 for you. In verse 12, for we wrestle or we fight not against flesh and blood. Very familiar passage. It's not against your relative. It's, it's not against uh, Republican Democrat. It's, it's not versus all the things that we try to go war at. The Bible says it's not truly that. It's not people that we're fighting against. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Think about what that word means, is we're going up against, that there's a force coming against you. You have opposition against you. We have something fighting to tear you down. It's all around us. It's constant. And we know that because some of you came in here tired saying, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to get through this week. I'm exhausted from what I faced at work. I'm exhausted from the, the bickering and the things that I had in my, in my family this week. There's a reason why the Bible calls Satan the, uh, the opposer. It's the opposition. He's against unity of every sort. And I'll explain that here in a minute. He hates unity. Anytime people come together for a cause, anytime that we're standing up for what's right, he hates it. But let me break that down. What are we going up against? It says powers, forces of evil. That's, that's what that means. It's forces, rulers of darkness of this world. It's not just the darkness that we go against, but it's the rulers of darkness. Let me put it like this. Behind all the garbage that we face on a daily basis, when it comes to the porn in our, in our world that we go against, there's rulers of darkness that is behind that darkness. When it comes to addiction, there's rulers behind the depression, oppression, all these things that we face. The Bible is saying, man, you say it's so dark and it's so gloomy and it's so much opposition. God said, let me explain behind the scenes, the spiritual realm, 
What you're not understanding when your spouse comes in and says, man, I don't know if we were truly meant to be together. I'm not happy and this is, I'm miserable in life. There's spiritual wickedness pushing this on us. Satan takes great pleasure in watching you fail. He takes great pleasure for somebody to sit there and say, maybe I'd be better off dead. Great pleasure when people sit there and they take that bottle of pills and they're saying, you know what, I think I'd be happier if I just didn't exist anymore. Or even the lie that happens in our mind because we're talking about the spiritual warfare of I think the world would be better without me. Let me just spell this out for you. Those are total lies. They're lies they, they come from the spiritual warfare that we're facing. It's behind the scenes. It's unseen. Ephesians 2 describes it like this. It says, according to the prince and the power of the air. The spirit. The Bible is literally describing. You, you sit there and say, man, if I could just go up against this stuff. We, we, we looked at the movies and they, they have the, you know, the spiritual warfare of uh, the pentagram and the candles and you know, the blood sacrifices and all this wicked stuff that we see. Say, man, that is spiritual warfare. No. What he whispers in your ear when you're driving home from work alone saying that you're a waste of time and nobody wants you, nobody loves you, that's the spiritual warfare we're talking about. That's the real deal. To get into our kids' minds and make them think because of some comment that was made on Facebook or some comment that was said to them while they were walking out of school that they're not valued anymore in life. Those are the spiritual wickedness that we're facing. I want to get a hold of the real battle. I want you to understand why churches fail and families fail and, 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 and people take their lives and people live in constant sense of not having value in their life. It's an unseen spiritual warfare that we're constantly battling with in life. The Bible even takes it to the next level of explaining this in 2 Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I know there's a lot that I could say about the mighty warfare that God has given us. But can I reiterate just the last words of that, the strongholds? Satan, literally, God explaining about Satan that he has a strong hold on your life. He's got, he grips you. With addictions, he grips you. Depression, he grips you. You talk about the visual of chains. How he's going to grab a hold of you and hold you back. Say, you're not going anywhere. You're not healing. You're not overcoming this. This is the end of your life. The Bible says those are strongholds. They hold you back. It's not the plan that God had for us. See, I'm preaching this because I have good news. Jesus is leading the disciples and he's teaching them. He's unveiling a plan. I love how he, just, he, he raised them up. He called them and he's like, come on guys, let me teach you something. Let me teach you. Let me tell you about the generous life that we talked about. Let me talk about take up your cross and follow me. Let me tell you about the life that you now live. Let me talk about the new life that you have and the new purpose one day he stops. Hey, who do people say that I am? A lot of debate if he was a prophet or if he was Elijah or different things. Who do people say that I am? Peter and all of them were speaking up and some say this and some say that. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said unto them, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus stands and is like, that's right. 
In verse 17, Jesus reiterates the fact that he got it right. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal to this, but he's talking about the Spirit of God that, that unveiled this to him, the fact that there's something greater. God was unveiling something. He said, let me tell you, there's something greater than the spiritual opposition. There's something greater than the spiritual attacks. There's something greater than the pits of hell. He's about to unveil this plan of saying, man, I know that sin comes hard and I know that he rips families apart, and I know he goes after you, and I know he attacks your mind, but let me tell you, I will create something greater than all of that. And he starts talking, and he starts preaching, and he starts teaching, and he said, and I say unto thee, and he turns to Peter, that thou art Peter, and Peter Petra, the little rock that he was talking about, he's referencing him, and he said, upon this rock, Jesus Christ, I will build my church. What is it going to do? The gates of hell cannot, shall not prevail against it. Out of everything that God is raising up to say, let me tell you a force that's going to knock the pits of hell back in its place is the church. Now, I, I'm just being honest. I mean, if you would have said an army of angels, that would have been a little more convincing. But I'm here looking at a bunch of soccer moms and dads that work on computers, and we just came out yelling at our kids for losing their shoes on the way out. And I mean, we, we, get, we get mad because of the fact is that we just tell our kids to go to the bathroom, and then they have to go to the bathroom as soon as we walk into the church. And we're, we're, just, we're, we're just not, we're not that army. We're struggling people. In reference to the fact that he turns to Peter of all people and says, hey, Peter, upon this rock, he's even referencing him as the illustration in this. He's drawing a picture of the warfare that we have. And I know a lot of times we don't fully understand this, but the visual that he was getting, the gates of hell, gates don't have any power in of themselves. You think about that. Why, why was he using the reference of the gates of hell? The word gate in the Bible literally means an opening to a city, and an entrance to a place. It literally means gate. That's all that it means. It, it, it's, not, it's a wing or a folding entrance. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's not what he's saying. But other parts in Matthew 6.33, Jesus was talking to the disciples. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's drawing a comparison. He's, he's explaining the war. You know, a lot of times we, we watch the war movies. We watch back in, those, in the medieval times and stuff like that. They're referencing kind of this about how they had these gated cities and they had the walls. And God says, let me tell you about the gates of hell. He's referencing the kingdom of hell as the gates. He's referencing in that. Then he also says, I have my own kingdom that rises up against it. He's talking about the warfare that we face in this. Satan's kingdom has a mission. It's everything that we talked about in Ephesians. Spiritual warfare, getting your head, make you quit, make you leave, make you give up, make you think that you don't count, make you think that you're a failure as a parent, as a father, as a mother, and everything else. Jesus said this. I'm going to rise up something that's going to stand against the pits of hell. He said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I will build my church. Church. It's the first time that it's mentioned in the Bible, but we use this term all the time. Tomorrow's Sunday, we need to go to church. <clears throat> Kids, get your church clothes together. We're, we're gonna, where, where do you go to church? Uh, you know, it's like I grew up going to church. Church, church, church. 
If you were to ask the person in, in, in this world, what is church? Oh, church is where my parents drug me to when I was growing up to make me a better person. You know, it's like it's, it's, go in that Sunday school class and come out better and come out obedient and stop biting your brother. And, you know, it's like, that's what we do at church. It's, it's a place that we bring people to try to straighten them out, make them better in life. One of the most cliche things that we talk about is church. Why is it such a big deal? It's amazing how people will graduate. They'll go off to college and they'll quit going to church. They'll have the testimony. I grew up going to church. I stopped going to church. Why? If it was something that had value to them, I promise you they wouldn't leave it behind. If it was something that made an impact on their life, but a lot of times we've built church up, we've almost recreated church because I'm going to tell you what the Bible says is church in this passage. He, he, he said, he said my, I'm going to build my church. He was talking about building something that the gates of hell could not prevail against. The word church is the Greek word ekklesia. The reason why I'm telling you this is not because you're saying we don't need to know the Greek. I'm trying to break it down and explain to you why this is so important. What is powerful that can stand up against the gates of hell? What is the powerful the Bible says that Satan cannot tear apart? Not the church that we've created in our minds, but ekklesia. You see, the disciples didn't jump back and be like, what is church, Jesus? I didn't under they didn't do that. Because ecclesia was part of their language. It was part of something that they understood. See, it was not a religious term at this point. See, we think of church, and what do we think of? We have this mindset. I'm just being honest. We have the mindset of a building with a steeple. Inside that building with a steeple, by the way, man created steeples, man invented steeples. You find pulpits, you find pews or chairs, you find hymnals or screens, you find a cross on the wall, you find a communion table, you're going to find ushers, and, and, and by the way, none of those things are wrong, they're all tools, but none of that had anything to do with what Jesus was talking about. And we'll get so wrapped up in the tangible things that we've created for the image of church, that that is when we raise up and build up our kids and families in church, we're all referencing these things. And a lot of times we even get upset if the pulpit's different or the communion table's different or how we do something is different. It doesn't feel like church. I hate to say it. We've recreated church. We have literally gotten away from what God said was ecclesia, and we started writing out our own list of what this is what church is, and this is what it feels like. We hold people to that standard. By the way, we've got to be careful when we take tangible things and we start holding them up. They did that in the Old Testament. They were called idols. When you start putting the attention on something that man created rather than on something that God commanded. There's a danger to that. Don't get away from the word of God. God was creating the ecclesia. Here, here's the Greek. It's, it, the, the word mean, ek was, means out. Lysia means called out assembly. That, that is the very reference of what he's calling about or talking about. The church was a called out ones or assembly or gathering together. During their time, when I said that it wasn't like this aha moment for them of, oh, Jesus, what is the church? He said, I'm going to create my own army. I'm going to create my own gathering. I'm going to create my own assembly, is what Jesus was saying in this passage. Because in their time, it was citizens called to a uh, civil uh, purpose. It was a military purpose. People gathered for a specific purpose. 
You see, let me just lay this out. Biblically speaking, the church is not a place. The church is not a place. Now, do we have a church building used for the resource of gathering together of God's people? Yes. But the building is a tool for the church to meet in. The building is not the church. You know why that's important for us to understand? This building has no chance of standing up against the pits of hell. Do you guys get that? If we start pointing people, you need to get in that building. And I, I know we're, we're, we, we don't mean that, but a lot of times we make it such a big deal about attending rather than what we do when we attend. It's important that we understand what he's saying. It's not a place. Let me say this, and I need you to help me help, work with me to understand this. The church is not a person. And I know we've grown up and we will say the words, I am the church. You are correct. You are part of the church. But as of yourself, you are not the church because the church is assembly of the body of Christ. It is a collection of the people. So I could say I am part of the church, but of myself, I am not the church. It's a gathering of God's people together. You are a disciple. You are a follower of Christ. You are part of the mission of Christ. But to say that you are the church is not completely demonstrating the purpose of what he was gathering together. You say, why is this important? Because if we don't fully understand what the church is, then we're not fully embracing what the Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Of God's people coming together for a specific purpose. So in Matthew 16, 18, he said in that passage, I will build my church. I'm going to build something. He was doing this, and he started from the very beginning, and people didn't fully understand what he was doing. But Jesus was traveling around, and he started calling disciples. Hey, Peter, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. There's two. John, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. There was three. Hey, you know, it's just like they kept going. Matthew, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. There's more, and there was more, and they had 12 disciples. Those 12 disciples began to be on a mission, being led by Jesus, Standing on the rock of Jesus Christ to make a difference in the world. That's what he was doing. He was saying unto them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'm going to do something with your life. When you accept Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. But what does God do with you? It says in Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church who such as should be saved. So what, what has happened? So somebody was saved and God says, come here. I'm going to bring you to be part of something. It's not that they were not saved by that or by themselves, but he says as they were saved, he brought them to be part of something big. I do better with visuals. So I'm going to ask my people, my volunteers, to come up here and help me form this church. I want us to understand this. I want, you to, I, I want to move forward, and I want to be able to say we are the ecclesia. We are the church we are the body of Christ. We, we are all these things that he said. Now I'm going to bring you back to Acts 2.47. What was God saying? I'll, I'll, I'll have you guys come up a little bit. Right? I'm perfect. Awesome. Right there. So what was God saying in Acts chapter 2 verse 47 is what made them a church. It's not just a gathering of people. Because a lot of times we could go down to the Buckeye game and say, wow, 
They're having church. Why is that? They had the gathering of people together. But the Bible says the ecclesia was the gathering of people together as such as should be saved. Jesus was teaching us something. What makes it powerful is that they were standing on the rock of Jesus Christ in, uh, in Matthew 16. Upon this rock I will build my church. What holds you guys together makes you something. It's the fact that you are brought together by the strength of Jesus Christ. It's not us. It's not our program. It's, it's not, we, we, get, we, we get divided so many different ways. You know how many times churches fail and have church splits? And you say, why is that? Because they were all fighting. You know what brings us together? It's Jesus. You know what we stand for? It's Jesus. If anything else creeps in and will try to divide us, that's not of God. It's not of God. This is why we can stand together on a stage and we can come together as a people and we have all different backgrounds and all different races and all different ages and all different styles. You know why we come together? We come together for Jesus. Not to push my own agenda, not to, not to push my own thing. We're together and God says, I will make my church. It's so crazy. Because it's moms and dads and people that work at Walmart and people that work at the bank coming together to form what God has called the church. But I'm asking you this question. Why? Why does that matter? Because no offense, I'm not looking up here seeing no super Christians. I mean, these people aren't performing miracles and raising the dead. They don't have some sort of superpower. They have the indwelling of the Spirit of God that has made them alive in Jesus Christ. But I'm saying, what well, you, you look at this and say, wow, so the gates of hell cannot prevail against that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's, that's the hope of our future? That's how we're moving forward with the power of God? Let me say, what does this matter? Why is this so powerful? What, what is so significant about this? Let me break it down like this. We are connected through the church. It's so cool how Peter was teaching this principle. He's trying to get this point across of what we are. He was saying, let me tell you what makes this so significant is we are connected is the church. So I'm going to, Pastor Bryce, you come over here. Let, let's just take this as an individual. And a lot of times, man, that's how we, we, we live our lives. I'm alone. I can do this. I can stand alone. I'm my own person. Sometimes we do this as a couple. Sometimes we do this as a person. But I want you to understand what you were created to be as a saved individual of God is here. You were created by God. You were called by God to be here. But a lot of times we try to stand alone in life. The idea of, well, I don't need the church. What are you, what are you referencing when you say the church? Your idea of going to a building? Your idea of traditions? Your idea of what you grew up knowing? Because I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't make up stuff and say, oh, the gates of hell will not prevail against me. Oh, you don't need that. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't make things optional. Like you can, you're some sort of super person that can stand alone without that. That's not how God was working. God had a plan for this. He said, I, upon this rock, God was establishing something. I know the rock is Jesus Christ, and it is. But it was also in this passage the chief cornerstone. If you're going to build up a kingdom, then everything is formulated around Jesus Christ. I used to do a lot of construction. Bryce and I have done, and uh, Jamie and a lot of us up here, we understand that concept. You have to have a foundation, but the cornerstone was the guide of where everything else would go as you're building that building. That's, that's what it was. It was the, the cornerstone. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build up something. It wasn't a building, but it was people. 
talking about Peter in this passage. Can I fast forward to a passage where Peter later testifies of describing the church? You say, it's people. And God says, I know it's people. It's, it's moms and dads and teenagers and grandparents. But let me lay it out like this. It says in 1 Peter 2, 4, To whom, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also, as lively stones, are built up to a spiritual house. Not a physical house, but a spiritual house. God was saying to build up or connect or bring together to assemble I'm going to build up something powerful, a kingdom, an assembly, built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So here's the physical illustration that God was saying by that passage, and we'll look at it on the screen. Look at this. He was saying that that is the, the physical illustration of what he was talking about. Now you're saying that's the church? That's the visual of the church. He said, I'm going to build up a house but they're going to be made up of guys, men and women, teenagers and moms and dads and grandparents. They're going to be living stones. But the whole principle that he was teaching through this is we are connected. Let me just take it to the next level. We're connected as a family. It's what we are. The reason that you are not meant to be alone, Pastor Bryce, is because you were meant to be born into a family. We have a heavenly father. We serve Jesus Christ together. We, we, we are all brought together in unity of something that God has given us. There's, there's unity in the fact that God has created us not to be alone. It's the reason why God says, don't forsake, in Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Don't do that. Well, you should do this. There should be the coming together. There should be the, 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 the longing and the identity that we fight because we find that we are stronger together as a family. It's amazing how families can be so different and how the fact that God creates us in such a way to be able to form a family because of our differences. It's not the fact that we're all together that makes us a family. It's the fact that we're all different. You guys watch our, our band. It's so amazing <clears throat> what they're able to pull off. Every instrument is so drastically different from a guitar to a drum set to uh, you know, the, 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 the different things that they do, the keyboard and stuff like that. But it's their differences working together that makes something beautiful in the ears and the eyes of God. It's the same thing with the church. It's the family that God connects us together. We find belonging. We find identity. The Bible says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. We are connected as a family. But here's the next thing. We are connected to edify. That word he said in that passage, I will build up my church, is what he was saying. I'm going to edify or make them stronger. Here's what's cool. Jamie, we're both dads. I'm going to tell you something that makes us stronger to be the dads that we are called to be is represented on the stage that's standing behind you. And you say, well, what do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. Do you realize that we were meant to help each other? What you need to make you a better person is probably sitting in this room. And some of us will sit back and say... Are you kidding me? All I need is Jesus. And that is true. Do you realize that we could stand there all day long and say, all I need is Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, I know. And I created that to help you. Those are the tools that God's given us. This is the resources. That's what we're supposed to be connected to. In Ephesians, he's talking about the church as the body from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. It's the same illustration of those stones again. That every joint supplieth according to the effectual working the measure of every part. 
maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The word edified means to build up to make you stronger. So I know we're the rock. I know we're the stones, the living stones. That's one visual. But the other visual is we are the body of Christ. Take the physical body of what the Bible is describing in that thing. He says the hand cannot work very well without the arm. And the arm needs the elbow, and the elbow needs the shoulder, and the shoulder needs the back, and we're all connected together to form the body of Christ. You see, as believers, as Christians, we're assembled together so that Jamie can help me get in my life what I need. He's going to provoke me. He's going to encourage me. He's gonna... But a lot of times, we, we try to work through life being that disconnected, out-of-joint arm where we're over here wondering, I don't know why I struggle so much. I'm going to ask you this. Who has your back? Who's pushing you? Who's holding you accountable? Who's seeing you when you fall and when you slip? Who sees you when you're, when you're down and out? And I promise you that the gates of hell are still going to try to prevail. They don't quit just because you're saved. They don't quit just because you love God. Amen. He's still going to go after you. He's still going to fight. He loves to do that. God uses people. You know what's beautiful about this? I'll tell you what. You're going to face things in your life, Bryce. I'm going to tell you, as a dad, you're going to face things that you're not going to know how to handle. You're going to say, I'm going to turn to God for that. God's going to say, you know what? Some of them have already been through what you're going through. I've, I've created them. I brought them into your life to be able to instill into your life what you need. There's going to be things that we all go through in life that just get us down and make us want to quit. And God says, you know what? I have a plan for that. Some of your story, you say, man, if people knew where I've been and I've, I've had addictions and I've had problems and I've been down and out, praise the Lord that God saved you from that. Or you're still going through that. God has a plan for that. But you know what? The Bible is always talking about building each other up. God, this is the formula, the, the picture of the church. It's not a matter of me climbing up saying I've arrived and I've got it all figured out. Every time we make a step and God builds us up in the faith, this is what we do. We turn around and we help the next person up. Amen. This, is, this is the picture of the church. You say, man, it's all a bunch of hypocrites and failures. Welcome to the club, okay? Welcome to the club. We, are, we all mess up. We, all, we, 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 we drop the ball. We, we disappoint. We stand on the rock of Jesus Christ that doesn't change. And as we grow as Christians, we're constantly pulling each other up. It's hard to do that when you're all by yourself. You're not meant to be by yourself. Can I just say a statement like this? I know that we're in a pandemic and I know that we have to socially distance, but I'm praying for that to go away because we need each other. Amen. We, we need to embrace one another and hug one another, encourage one another and pray one another and be able to go to the altar and put our arm around each other and cry together. And I know right now we've got this remote thing and, and I praise God for the ones that are watching right now. And man, I, I know that you wish in your heart that you could be here, but I'm praying for the day that we can assemble together because we're not meant to be connected through Wi-Fi. It's a cheap substitute for what God truly had because the arm is meant to be connected to the hand and we're meant to be able to supply for one another and provoke one another to love and good works. That's what God called us to do. Hebrews 10, 24, this is what he was talking about. Let us assemble ourselves together. The ecclesia that we gather together. You know what the reason was for? Because somebody needs to be next to you saying, man, how are you doing? Man, how are you doing in your marriage? You're about to be a dad. Are you ready for that? Can I tell you? No. <laughs> Can I tell you what I've learned? Can I tell you how I've been there? Can I tell you all these things? But a lot of times, when you're not connected to the body of Christ, somebody else will be there. It will be Satan saying, you'll never make it. You're going to fail. 
If you go to church, everybody would just be judging you for how you're, you're not like them and you're not good enough. And why are you wearing that? You're not good enough to be. And Satan's going to constantly be working you over. But you need, let, let me tell you, Pastor Bryce, right now, you need to be involved in that family right there. Because inside of that, somebody's going to be speaking in your life to tell you what you need to hear. Not the lies that Satan's going to try to tell you. It's what we're here for. Say, I don't need that. Man, you were created to need church. And I'm not talking about steeples. I'm talking about people. Amen. There's a big difference. I'm talking about the, the, the mechanical aspect of what God said works together for good. We are connected through the church. But secondly, we are stronger as the church. Just think about the words when he said, I will assemble, I will bring together people. And then Jesus says at the end, and by the way, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God was building something strong, something powerful. Say, how? See, right now, some of you are doing okay, and I praise God for that. But what Satan tries to do is get you down to that low when you're by yourself. Because over here, we're, we're to notice each other. Guys, I'll be honest. We're, every Sunday, I'm going to do that. Somebody's going to do that. Shirley did a great job this morning. Pull out your phone and check in. You sit there on the Church Center app. All you have to do is take two seconds to check in. You know why? Because I want to care for one another. People say, man, there's people falling through the cracks, then we need to do something about that. Somebody needs to notice when other people are gone or they're going through a hard time because a lot of times in our flesh, we're not going to stand up and say, I'm going through a hard time. But somebody needs to see you missing and know that you're going through a hard time. It's hard to do when you're all by yourself. And by the way, can I just explain what God was doing through this? You have to be intentional to be connected you can't just walk into a building and be like a magnet and just say, just people are going to, I wish it was like that. But you, you have to intentionally, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. When we talk about having life groups and people sit there and say, man, I'm all by myself and I don't get feel cared for at the church. I'm like, do you get involved in a life group? No. Do you serve on a team? No. Do you come and be part of the fellowships? No. Do you go, are you part of a go team? No. It's like, I'm all by myself. That's because you put yourself on an island. Don't do that. All of these things that we're trying to do is to be able to connect you to what God has called us to be part of. I read this in my devotions this past week and I thought, man, this is so cool. And I know that God wanted to bring this out today. Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one. Because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall and the one lift up his fellow, but woe unto him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Now I'm going to tell you, in, in, in this place, you, every single one of us have weaknesses. Every single one of us have weaknesses. Your weakness might be that you just get absolutely discouraged with what you read on Facebook. Your weakness might be porn. Your weakness might be drugs. Your weakness might be whatever it is, but I tell you, you all have a weakness. And man, God's constantly trying to pull us out to make us stronger, but he loves to get you alone when you're discouraged. Because you know why the Bible says, woe to the person that is alone when he falls? Because that's what, you remember, we fight against, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, 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 against. Not physically speaking, but Satan's going to come over and do what he can to try to shove you and knock you out of the game when it comes to you being a dad. 
His goal is to knock you down and there's nobody around, according to Ecclesiastes, to pick you up. That is the goal. But I tell you this, God says, I'm going to put you in an assembly. God had a plan. I'm going to connect you together. God wants us to be together. Because he knows you're going to have times where you're discouraged. But the difference is if I come up and shove you, there's somebody backing you up. Let me ask you guys, who has your back? Who has your back? You say, well, Jesus has my back. You know, Jesus has your back because he works through people. Iron sharpens iron. That's what God did. We make each other better through the body of Christ. See, we are to have each other's backs. That's what God intended for it to be. Here's the next thing. We are to move forward together. Jesus comes, brings them together in Matthew chapter 28 at the, after this is over. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do you realize that the job and the mission of us is not to sit and gather, but to rise and go? Do you guys hear that? Say, man, they're crazy. We're crazy. I know we're all crazy. We're in the middle of a pandemic and we built an Easter drama stage. <laughs> crazy. People are probably sitting there going, those people are nuts. Nobody's going to come. I don't know if anybody's going to come. But if we reach one person, it was all worth it. It's all worth it. But I know this, that God didn't put me here just to sit and complain about what's going on in the world. We're to rise up and go forward. He said, go. You know what G-O is? It's an action word that literally means don't stay where you're at. Go to where people are at. Because I tell you what, God has a big plan. But this is the beauty of what God was doing through all this. God was raising them, pulling them into a mission that the gates of hell should not prevail against. We are a living organism, a called out army. See, here's, here's the last point, I'll be done. We are victorious as the church. We're not just strong as the church, we're victorious as the church. I'm not going to keep you. Can I introduce you to something? Come here, right here, Bryce. This is not perfect people by any means. And by the way, I could point out this way, not perfect people by any means. If, if you've come here today thinking you're perfect, um, you're not perfect because you, you're filled with pride even by thinking you're perfect, okay? So you're already not perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God. We talk about the church. Let me, let me get a little more practical. I'm a dad, I have three kids love my kids so much. I'm so blessed to have my three kids. This man right here is not just my friend, but he's a youth pastor mentoring two of my kids. Be able to speak into their life. Chris is one of my wife's best friends. Me and Jamie get to work together. I could go around the circle and point on something of every single one of these people on the stage. I know I'm using them as the illustration of the church, but real life, we are friends. No, we're family. We're family. I remember I was moving into my house, came up and said, your front door is going to fall off. It was terrible. We stayed till like three o'clock in the morning, me and Jamie and a group of other gods, Bob Morkum and them, who put a new door on my house. I remember different times of people coming to my house and picking up my kids and just bringing them out to Starbucks to sit and have prayer and talk with them. I know I've been discouraged in life and I wanted to quit and different people have called me up and said, don't quit, I love you, I've got your back, man, you're doing a great job. You were not meant to be alone. If we're gonna move forward, if we're gonna invade the darkness, if we're gonna rescue more families, if we're gonna make a difference, you cannot stand an island and saying the church doesn't work. The church doesn't work if you're doing it your way. Stop doing it your way. 
Stop making it about steeples and, and places and stained glass windows and all these traditions that we built up. Those are great things, but they were just tools and decor. They're not what God died for. It's not what God died for. You want to know what God died for? It's right here. Amen. It's what God died for. And there's something strong and powerful. I'm excited tonight I get to start my life group. I'm going to be meeting tonight at 6 o'clock with my life group. You want to know what we're going to be? We're going to be this. We're going to be a family. We're going to go through life together. We're going to cry together. We're going to fail together. We're going to pick each other up. And we're going to serve God together because that's who we are. We are the church. You guys can be seated. I'll ask you this. Who's got your back? Are you going to church or are you, are, are you the church? Are you, are you attending a building and checking in on a roll? Are you part of something that God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them together as living stones. I'm going to unite them as a family. I'm going to create fellowship. We're going to go big time on that word like next week about the love of God that brings us together in something powerful and unique. And God says they will be known by the love that they have one for another. There should be something unique and special and powerful that happens in the unity of this place. And by the way, it's not us four and no more. Every time that God brings us to encounter somebody, praise God for that because it's not about us building our kingdom, but God's kingdom. We have something special. Church, yes. Ecclesia. God's calling out assembly of God's people to connect them, unite them, strengthen them, build them up, make them different so that we can push back the gates of hell. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The assembly in that passage is the ecclesia, or it's, it's referencing ecclesia. It's the assembling or the calling out. This, God said, don't forsake that, but exhorting one another. Literally, the, 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 I, I need you to come together so that you can pull each other up and push each other forward and put your arm around each other and pray for each other, exhorting one another. And then he said this, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Man, life is complicated. Life is difficult. But our, our future is victorious through Jesus Christ. If we do it God's way, we will stop counting casualties and start counting victories.